guys. Hello, hello. Good evening. Good evening. Be prepared. Thank you. Thank you very much. Be pre- <laughs> I know. Thank you. That is the exact type of applause that I always deserve, right there. Two hands. Last night, my mom described me as something, and I realized that it's exactly what I want to be called for the rest of my life. That kid yelling in back. (laughs) During service, I was yelling about her, and she describes me as the kid yelling in back. I realized that that's what I want to be for the rest of my life. If nothing else describes me, if the only way people ever distinguish me is just by saying, Cameron, you know that kid that's always yelling in the back? (laughs) That's who I want to be, so... That's who I want to be. I'm not there yet. Uh, be prepared tonight for hearing coughing, <coughs> clearing of throat, and uh, sniffling. Feeling sick today. Very sick, in fact. My throat hurts, and I'm tired, and I'm sore, and I'm complainy. <laughs> Just feel like whining. Anyone want to join me afterwards? We can sit down and have a wine session. All right. So... I approach tonight with two emotions, one being excitement and one being fear. Both emotions playing tandem in my mind and inside my body, both equally having weight, um, but for good reason, but slightly unnerving. Tonight is our follow-up night for our vision night in which I gave you this, this word This word that I gave you a while back, and it was our goal for an entire year. It was our vision. It was the core, a center of how we were going to conduct steadfast for the whole year. And I gave you this word, move. Move. A very good word indeed. And I said that this was going to be it. A small word, but very deep. A simple word yet very, very complex when you really think about it. I said that move was going to be a battle cry for steadfast this year. It was going to be a word that we were going to build ministry on for 12 months. Remember, um, if I told you back then, and maybe you do remember, hopefully you do, I said that this couldn't just be a word for steadfast. Because I introduced it as being, move is going to be our vision for steadfast for this next year. But I said, it's not going to work if it's just the vision of steadfast. It has to become your personal vision. Because steadfast isn't just church on Thursday night, it's us. We make up steadfast. So the only way that it's going to actually work is if we personally take on move as our own word for the year. We personally take, and what I said uh, a few different ways, tattoo, carve into, burn into our heart this next year and make move something that's very important in our own lives, and then that it it might actually take effect inside of steadfast. So have you taken this word as your own? Maybe you heard the message. Maybe you didn't even hear the message. I don't know who wasn't here and who was. uh, But the word move, have you taken that on as your word for this next year? I know it might seem hard to believe because it seems hard to believe for myself. I can barely even say it, but it has been a quarter of a year since I've preached that message. 
We have spent one quarter of this year, spent one quarter of move. Weeks gone, days gone, past, not coming back. We can't go back and we can't edit these days. We can't go back and relive them. And the only way we're going to see what happened in them, whether or not something good or nothing at all happened, is to wait for the future and see if something comes out of it. Crazy to think that it's already been one quarter of a year, and have we really taken on MOVE as our own personal vision? Have we really made a point of it in Steadfast? So MOVE is what we're going to talk about tonight. MOVE is the, is the purpose of, of tonight's message. But specifically, there was something that I, I said right towards the end of the message when I, when I spoke it before. Um, something that I kind of pointed out. If, if you remember well, you have one of those really, really good memories. I have really good short-term memory. I have horrible long-term memory. Let me study something for 10 minutes, and I can repeat it back to you pretty much dead on. But give me a few months, and I'll probably forget it. So if you have a good long-term memory, or maybe you just listened to the podcast recently, if you haven't and you have the ability, I encourage you to listen to Move Once Again. Very good message. I doubt that I will top it tonight because it was a very, very good message. Holy Spirit orchestrated message. Not that this one isn't, but... Anyways, at the end of this, I mentioned something, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. What did I talk about in our move session? I talked about the fact that move is God's heart. It's not just a word that I give you, but it's something that when you, when you listen to it and when you read it along with scriptures, you see that this is exactly what God really wants, that as we see throughout the Bible, and I gave you guys a bunch of, a bunch of um, examples, God loves movement. Man, he just, he adores movement. But what we said right then after that is that then also God has to hate stillness. God is a God of black and whites. He doesn't deal in gray. If he loves one thing, he hates the opposite. That's how God works. So he said God loves movement, but he, he hates stillness. If you remember it, I read you the scripture in Matthew 25, and there was a story of these men, of the talents, which is a, basically a, a, a group of money. I don't know how much it actually equaled to. But if you remember the story, there's these three servants, and the guy's going to leave, and he's going to, say, leave the country for a while. And he says, basically, he gives this one guy like 10,000 or whatever, one guy 5,000, one guy 2,000, and one guy 1,000. He says, you go ahead and you do stuff with them. It says that the first two men, the one with the 5,000 and the 2,000, if I remember correctly, they take it, they put the money to work, and almost immediately they take and they double that profit. Well, the one with the 1,000 just takes, and he goes and he buries it in the ground to keep it safe. And it says that when the guy comes back, he asks them, basically, bring back the money and show me what you've done. The one with the, with the 5,000 says, here's double the money. I took and I used, used the money you gave me, I invested it, I made money, and he says, man, well done come and be, be my partner in business. Basically saying, I'm going to give you a lot more. The man with the 2,000 says, here I doubled it as well. And he says, man, well done. Come and be my partner. But then there's this last man who buried the money. And he says, you know, I knew that you were a man who only wanted the best and that you wouldn't tolerate failure. So I took and I hid the money and I buried it. And here it is, every last cent. And the man wasn't pleased at this at all. And the story... Um, that Jesus is telling, he says, the man is furious. He says, how dare you do less than the least? Because the least you could have done was just at least put it in a bank so I could have got some sort of interest. But you just hid it and you didn't use it for anything. 
And he literally says, it is criminal to live cautiously like that. And he says, get rid of this, play it safe, throw him out, and he says, and take that thousand from him and give it to the one with the ten thousand. And we use this as a picture because Jesus taught this, talking about God's kingdom, that this, this leader, this man, is representative of God, and we are these men who are given a certain portion of talent, of time, of energy, and that we're supposed to turn that and make a profit with what God has given us. That we're not supposed to bury it and hide it and say, here's everything you gave me back. But God expects so much more, and he can't stand. He literally says, it's criminal to live cautiously like that, just to hide those things that God gave you. Remember, right, too, I talked about the fact that I said that God's going to take away those gifts from people that he gives them to. Those that he gives gifts to, man, it might be us sitting right here in the audience that God's given us gifts, but if we don't move on those, God's going to take them away and say, I'm going to give them to someone who is going to use them. Because you're not going to just waste what I've given you. Man, whatever it may be, it might be anything from just being a really friendly person. It might be something like having a really special talent. It might be having a decent enough job where you can give some money to the church. But when God gives you those gifts, he expects you to do something with them. When you don't, he says, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to take it away and give it to somebody who will. That's how God's kingdom works. But towards the end of this message, I said that there was a problem. I identified what I called a gaping flaw in the message. And do you remember what it was? Some of you? Yes. Nod your head if you remember what it was. Yes. What I said, the gaping flaw in this message is that all I was doing was talking. All I was doing was forming words with my mouth, just kind of falling out of me. But it wasn't any action to go along with it. And there's a problem with that because everything I was just talking about was move and all I had done was just talked. Words can be an effective way to communicate, but they're so light and they can be so careless. Words are just so easy to say and can come without even a thought. You ever listen to people who just talk and you can tell their brain isn't even controlling what they're saying. It's just like it's spilling out of some reserve of words that they've just held all day, and it just kind of flows, and it's so cheap. See, when I think of move, I see it as something that is changing, something that's effective, powerful, and can actually accomplish something. But there's a problem. It's still just a word. I made something here. A little visual. It's move. The word move. That's all it is. Just a word. It's weak. It's flimsy. Doesn't do much. It's not going to keep you warm at night. It's word isn't going to clothe anybody or get them saved just by taking and showing them this word, will it? It's just a word. That's all it is. And this is how I fear that it's going to be treated as just a word. It's just another word along with anything else I can make up. You can just put icicle on there. It's just a word, right? And that's how it's going to be treated. But that's not how God wanted us to take this. It's not how God wanted us to take this message. God did never, ever called us just to talk about stuff. He never called us just to make up words for things. 
Because that's what a lot of people do. They just take and they talk about things. I think I read to you uh, last time, I think, but I'm going to read it to you again. James, in 2, 14 through 19. James is writing here, and this is what he says. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, Sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department, but not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together hand in glove. Do I hear professing to believe in the one and only God and then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? Well, that's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? James' words about words, about just talking. I love the fact that he says, do you think God, God speak without God action? He says, it's just outrageous nonsense. It just makes no sense. It's, it's unbelievable. How could you possibly talk about God without backing him up with some sort of action? We have to have action. Otherwise, we're dead. We can't just speak the right words, but we have to back them up with the action that comes along with that word. Otherwise, it's useless. So this is what I fear for MOVE, that people have been talking about God things forever, and this isn't going to be anything different. The whole idea, which it seems like kind of a new idea, but it's not, of people listening to messages, listening to ideas about God, and then not doing anything about them, sounds like something new like our generation or like our previous generations, but this has been going on forever. Man, it goes all the way back before Jesus' time. It goes all the way back to like Adam and Eve time. That God would command something and people just wouldn't listen. You go back to the time of the prophets, God sent just prophet after prophet who interpreted what God had to say and spoke it to people. Honestly, and just right out in the open said, this is what God is saying. People listened to it and then just turned around and walked the other way and never did anything with it. How many different cities, if you read the Old Testament, and, and people groups were destroyed because God would say, you're evil, you sin against me. And if they would have done something about it, I'm sure God would have taken back his judgment, just like the story of Jonah. But they don't. They just turn around and they walk away. It's happened time and time again. It's not something new, like I said, but it's been on forever, and that's not what I want to happen to move. Maybe even worse, though, even worse than hearing something and not acting on it, which is just criminal as far as I'm concerned when you read the Bible. But maybe even worse than this are those who hear a word and will talk and talk and talk about it, but never actually put any action into it. Not just the fact that they'll hear it and walk away, but the people who will act like they're doing something with it without doing anything. 
These are found in the Bible too. Have you ever found these people though in, in life? Because I have. I don't know if you guys have. But they're the people who will sit around week after week, night after night, and talk about what God wants to do in their life, what God wants to do in your life. But they will never, ever take any action in it. They're never going anywhere. They're never accomplishing anything. They'll tell you the exact same thing over and over again and probably tell you about the same people they're trying to reach, but they won't ever actually do anything to try to reach them. And there's never any productivity. And they just basically stay in the same old rut over and over and over again. There are so many like this who claim Christ, but they'll never, ever move. They'll just talk and talk and talk until they're blue in the face. But this isn't the point. This isn't what's supposed to happen with something like move. It's not just words, but there has to be action with this as well. Paul already saw this, and we can find this in Scripture if we look through. He commented this uh, a number of times, really, when you read all of his letters. But I got a good one for you because it starts with him talking about these that don't move, and then it goes into how we are actually supposed to move. Really good one in Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 6 through 16. You might want to keep it and um, take a look at it some other day because it's, it's a great one for talking about moving. But I'm going to read it to you in the message, and it starts with this. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. Those are the people I'm talking about. Man, they'll just keep on spewing religion at you. The same old stuff, same words. You'll meet these people, they're just, everything is, you know, some Christianese term. They're doing great. They're cleansed in the blood, and they're paid for by Jesus Christ. And they, they know everything to say, but they never actually do anything. But he says, you groped your way through the murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuit of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. I think that's perfect when we talk about move. He says, you watch out for these people that you're going to encounter in life. Man, all they're going to do is talk. They're just going to give you words and never do anything about it. But he says, man, you guys know the action. You're not dumb. You know it. Stop wasting your time on all this junk, all this garbage that has to be done in darkness. And you know the stuff that has to be done in darkness. The things that right now you would not want people to know that you do. Not want you to know that you even pursue. There's tons of things that we pursue that maybe we even would let people know, but they're just darkness. They don't go anywhere. They don't have a light in them. They're not good and they're not pure. But in says, man, go after these things because the time is short and you just have to move. Paul's saying this. Stop talking. Start moving. If you remember when I first preached this message, um, I told you about how God so many times says this about 
Stop talking. Start walking. Stop talking. Start moving. Get on with it. And I put it in these terms that God was putting to us a big old put up or shut up. Either do what you're saying or stop saying it because I'm sick and tired of hearing it. God talks about that all the time in the Bible. There's places where he says, I'm so sick and tired of these meetings that you have and these prayer meetings and these worship services that you just do over and over again, but basically that you never actually take action and move in what you believe. God's saying, put up or just shut up because I'm sick and tired of hearing it. Let's see the action. Let's see the proof. There's a story in Matthew of two sons. Matthew 21, 28 through 31. It says, Jesus says this, Tell me what you think of this story. A man had two sons. He went up to the first and said, Son, go out for the day and work in the vineyard. The son answered, I don't want to. But later on he thought better, and he went and he did it. Father also gave the same command to the second son, and the second son answered, Sure, I'm glad to, but he never went. Jesus asked, Which of the two sons did what the father asked? And they said, The first. You see what this is saying? The words didn't matter. The words didn't matter. The one kid said, You know what? I don't feel like it. And the other one said, Oh, yeah, sure. But what mattered was the action. Didn't matter what the words were because it's all about what's backed up in action, in movement. There are different areas when we did this message that we identified, different areas in which move can absolutely change your life if you let this word do its work. But here's the question. Are you actually moving in these areas, or are you just talking? Are you just talking about these areas? Here's some of the ones that we identified. First and foremost, personal devotion, an area where we should move in our lives. You might be saying that you're going to give God more. Maybe that's Bible reading, um, time spent in prayer. Uh, it could be money. It could be your talents, whatever it is. Or maybe you're even saying the fact that you're going to get rid of that sin and you're going to let go of those things that you've been holding on to and struggling with forever. I'm no longer going to do this, God. I'm no longer going to keep on going back to that same stupid thing over and over again. Or maybe even just a second best. Because a lot of us think of sin and and not sin, but what about just the second best that we let happen in our life? Kind of the capitulations and the stopping short. Let's say that I don't want that anymore, but I want exactly what you have for me. But are you just saying it, or are you really moving in it? Are you saying that you're going to read the Bible more, or are you starting to move in it? Because you can't just say it. You have to back it up with action. I want to read my Bible more. Well, that's great, but if I don't actually figure something out and, and do it, what good are those words? They're nothing. So I want to read my, my Bible more. I'm going to wake up 20 minutes early, and I'm going to read. I want to stop sinning. I come back and I do the same sin again and again and again. Or I want to stop sinning. So you go to a friend and you say, I want accountability. I need accountability in my life. See, the action is what makes that actually work, isn't it? Because the words, the words will just fall short. They won't actually do anything. How about ministry service? 
This is another thing we talked about moving in. The fact that each and every one of us have jobs, have callings, have ministries that we're supposed to be part of. Stuff in Steadfast, stuff in other churches, ministries that we're supposed to be a part of, right? Awesome things that God has for us. Are we just saying we're going to help, though, or are we willing to help? We finished out those, those surveys, and it's cool, and I've looked at those a lot, and we're working into really using as much as we can with what you guys fill out for Steadfast, what you'd like to help out with. Um, just be patient with that. But in the meantime, it doesn't mean that you have to just sit on your hands. You know, I told you guys last time, and it really is the truth, ministry is as simple as when the night ends, cleaning up the cans of soda that are left out. As simple as sticking around and saying, is there anything else left that needs to be done before I leave? As simple as saying, is there anything this week that isn't done that I could help out with? It's so simple. But you can move in that. Not just say the words and say, I want to help, but just say, I'm going to help. If nothing else, I'm just going to start helping. The worst thing that could happen is I'm going to tell you to stop, right? You wouldn't be out anything anyway. This one's probably the hardest. Are we moving and witnessing opportunities? Many of us, three months ago, or even just three hours ago, said that we were going to move in our contacts, our sphere of influence in our life, our coworkers, friends at school, friends outside of school, family, um, strangers that we bump into on a regular, regular occurrence. But are you actually moving? Or are you just saying it? Are you saying you're going to tell your friends about Jesus Christ? Or are you actually moving into that? Because once again, words without action are just bare, blank, nothing. I gave you this picture, and I, w- I want to give it to you again because it's really true. It said that every single time there is an opportunity, every time there's an opportunity, doubt always shows up, and following doubt is a whole group of too lates. I said what happens is, is doubt will come, and it will slow you down from doing what's right, and before long, this whole group of too lates come up and just drag you away from it, because now it's already gone. It's too late. And like I said, you know, people literally live entire lives of too lates. A whole life of just too late, another missed opportunity. Too late, another person I'm not going to get to talk to. Too late, and hopefully someone else can take care of them. Man, that's not us. That's not God. That's not move. Are you actually moving in this? When you feel that opportunity come, you feel the word you're supposed to say or the action you're supposed to take, maybe even just as simple as giving someone a hug and telling them, man, I'm here for you. But all that doubt starts to show up. What happens? Is it just doubt, 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 and you slowly move away? Or does doubt come into your mind that starts to play through, but resounding over top of it comes the word, move move and you're spurred back into action how about God's plans this is the other thing we identified each and every one of us have plans in life special plans that God's put in our lives I wholeheartedly believe the fact that God didn't create one person on this earth without having a plan for him each and every one of us have things we can do but each of us also have things that God wants us to do and are we going to accomplish those things? 
Here's one that's really, really hard. Maybe even write it down because it's going to be easier to answer now than it is six hours from now. Are you saying that you want God's will for your life, or do you really want it? Are you just saying it when you sit down and you ask for God to do his will in your life? And you say, God, man, just have your way in my life. Do you really mean it, or are you just saying it? Because I think most of us just say it. We just say, God, I want your will in my life. But do we actually put action into that? And do we actually put reality behind that and say, no, God, really? Really? I mean it. If you tell me to give up everything, I'm going to do it. Just reading a book the other day, and he was talking about people trying to fall in love. Of course, one of the big things probably a lot of us are thinking of in, in, in our lives right now. Trying to fall in love. And he talked about how some people will be called to a life of singleness. And he said what he's found is the people who find their mates, who often are the most happiness, are the people who honestly and wholeheartedly tell God, I'll accept whatever you give to me. If it's singleness, I'll accept it. And really mean it, not just say the words. Are we actually doing that? Do we really mean it, and do we back it up with action? Even in small things. I told you guys, there might be a plan in your life, and you might not be able to see it all the way out. But you might know the first step to take. And will you take that first step, even when it seems like it's a mile? There might be something God's telling you to do, and you might just have to take that first step, even if it seems like it's a long drop-off, that you're going to take it. You're going to take that first step. So have we actually been living move? Have we made it our lives, or have we just been saying some words? Have we just been saying move? And that's all that it is, is a two-dimensional piece of paper. Two-dimensional word. Maybe, though, <clears throat> we can give the word more weight, and we can give the word more meaning, and we could start to put action behind it. Let me give you guys just a little bit of a, uh, of a picture for you. Anybody Matrix fans, the movie, the trilogy? Mm -hmm. I like the Matrix a lot. I've watched them a few times. So let me use, use it for you. And you guys who haven't seen it, it's not going to affect you any because I'll explain it. So don't feel hindered in any way. Although you should see the trilogy because it's pretty darn good. Um, just skip that sex scene in the second one. It's kind of funky. But in the, third, in the third of the Matrix series, there's this part where Neo is in what they call the train station, which is a way that they transport things from our world into their world. And he's there talking to... Um, a, a family, right? And as he's talking to them, he realizes that although they look like people, because that's how the Matrix is, their programs is basically their written programs to function inside the Matrix. And they ask basically, why are they trying to smuggle something in? And the guy explains that it's his daughter that they had. And he says basically in the, in the computer world, if a program doesn't have a purpose, it's deleted. And basically saying like his daughter didn't have a purpose, so she would just face deletion. And he said he was going to find a way to sneak her in. And he said, well, why would you do this? And he says, well, I love my daughter. And Neo is taken back at this. And he says, I've never heard a program talk of love, a computer talk of love. And he says, it's a human emotion. And I love the guy's response. He says, no. He says, love is just a word. It's what you attach to that word 
that makes it what it is. It's what you attach to it, the meaning that you put with it. A little bit later, he's talking to him, and he says, that's my karma. He says, do you believe in karma? He says, karma's just a word. It's what you attach to that word that makes it what it is. The point that what I'm trying to say is, is that the word is weightless, but the meaning behind it can be tremendously heavy, tremendously powerful. All the meaning and all the undercurrents behind it. Um, soon, maybe we can even make a word have true weight, become three-dimensional, become something more than just a couple of letters on a page. But it can begin to have weight in our own lives because of how we live. So what does this word mean to us? What does move actually mean to each and every one of us? Have we taken it on as our own? Because the word isn't bad, although I've kind of dissed words tonight and said, man, it's just words. Words aren't bad, but you have to back them up with action. And this is where my excitement comes in that I talked about at the beginning. Because this is where something actually begins to change. That we can take this word, just a two-dimensional thing, but we can make it something very important and very exciting. That it can start movement, that it can start action and spur us on to do things that maybe we haven't even planned to do yet. That's where it's exciting. We're going to add meaning. And we're actually going to do this physically in a little bit. But we need to add meaning to this word. Here's the deal. Move is an action word, and that's why I gave it to you guys. But what action does that mean? When you look into your own lives and you say, move is on my heart, what action comes with that? In these four areas of your life, what action comes with that? When you say, I took move on, what action is going to come with that? It might be something like saying, I'm not going to turn away from my friend so-and-so when there's an opportunity to tell them about Christ. I'm going to pursue this name to tell them about Jesus. I am no longer going to do this sin because I'm going to seek accountability and work through it. I'm not going to settle for second best in this area of my life. I will take this first step in this plan that God has for me. What are the actions that come behind this word that make it as special as I know it can be? We're going to actually do this physically in a little bit. I'm going to give you guys pieces of paper. And you don't have to write your name on them. You can be as vague or as detailed as you want on them. Because it's all about you. But what you're going to do is you're going to write the actions that come with this word. What are the actions that are in your heart right now that this word is going to accomplish? And after we write these on there, we're going to come up and we're just going to do something really simple. We're just going to take and grab a stapler. And we're just going to staple them to the outside of this. And we're going to add action to this word and give it something special. It's just a representation of it, but it's something easy that we can put tangibly view in our minds. Because once again, what we can do is we can take a word that's very cheap, but we can take and make it something very, very important. That we're not just going to talk about move anymore, but we're going to live it. It's been a quarter of a year. Have we really begun to live it? Or are we still just talking about it? It's not good enough. The words without action is useless. 
I want it to be something that you think about every single day because that's what it's become to me. It's become like a fixation, something like a nagging in your brain that every day you think of this word and it's not the same anymore, but it's something special. Like I said, that when those times come, when you know you're supposed to do something, somehow back in your brain comes this word, move. You think, I need to move. We need to add weight to this word. We need to add action. Undergird it with true movement. Otherwise, it will fall flat. There's going to be a few more times I'm going to talk about move throughout this year. But more than that, we're going to prove the word move through this ministry. I promise you that. I promise you that in the coming months throughout this year, we are not going to let move just become a word but we're going to let it become an action inside this ministry. That we're going to live it out. We're not going to let situations just fly by us. We're not going to accept second best. We're going to take them. We're going to tell just complete strangers. We're going to go up to them and explain to them the message of Jesus Christ. We're going to have opportunities to do stuff that maybe you haven't done before. Exciting stuff. But we're going to prove that move is actually true inside of this ministry. So let's give it weight tonight. Let's actually think about it and make it something special. Last time when I spoke this message, I shouted move at you quite loud. And I'm not going to do it this time. Because there's no need. I don't have to say the words anymore because I hope it's a heart. I don't have to say this word another 30 times. I don't have to say this word another 100 times throughout the year to get you to understand it. Because it's going to become something deeper than just four letters. It's going to become a heart thing inside of us. So I'm going to pray with you guys, and then I'm going to give you guys some time, give you some paper, grab a pen, and what I want you guys to do is list out what are the actions that come with this word? What are the actions that you already feel in your heart that you know are supposed to come with this? What's supposed to happen? Like I said, you can be as, as, as vague as you want, but you can be tremendously crisp on what you say. No one's going to judge you. And we're going to take, and when you get done with it, you just come up and staple it to the outside of this and say, this word has meaning to me. This word has weight. So let's pray, and then we'll do that. Lord, I thank you for tonight. And I just thank you for the fact that you are such a moving God, that you are not still. And I thank you that um, I am not called to just a monotonous, boring, still life, Lord God, but that you've called me to action. Lord, I take this word, and I do. I burn it into my heart, Lord. Um, I pray to you, God, that as we just kind of uh, open up our chest, Lord, that you truly would just write this word on our hearts, that in times when we really do need to move, that it would just be quickened to our mind and that we wouldn't hesitate. I pray to you, God, tonight we would just add um, just these, these verbs, these actions out of our heart. What does this mean for us, Lord? And I pray to you, Jesus, that you wouldn't let it just slip from our minds, but that you would let these, these, these words that we pen truly form into action. Lord, we understand that you've issued this put up or shut up, Lord God. But we're not going to have to shut up because we're going to put up. And we're going to prove the words that we've said by our actions and prove to you that we are worthy of the talents that you have given us because we're going to work and we're going to turn a profit with the gifts that you've given us, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus Christ, and I just pray to you that, once again, 
Um, you just let your will be done in all of us, Lord God. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.